0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Hey, good morning. Welcome to the Get Better Wellness Radio Show. This is Erin Chamberlick, the real food revivalist, coming to you live from the Chicago suburbs. Well, we have a really great topic and we are going to dive in and hopefully go deep and give you some new information. Especially if you have uh recently had a bone density test done and revealed signs of osteoporosis or Maybe you're taking extra calcium to get rid of osteopenia or even a bone building drug has been prescribed. Well, in the United States today, 10 million people have osteoporosis and another 34 million have low bone mass. So what do we do? We run to the drugstore and pick up calcium supplements because that's what we've been told. And Even the International Osteoporosis Foundation is still recommending that I should be taking 1,300 milligrams of calcium at my age. So I know you probably heard the studies that just came out or coming out recently again um, that calcium supplements are increasing heart attack rates. So what's going on here? If you're confused about calcium, if you're worried about these studies, stay tuned. You're in the right place because to sort all of this out for us, I have a special expert on the podcast today, and her name is Dr. Kate Rayom Blue. Welcome, Dr. Kate. Hi, Erin. How did I do with your name? Excellent. Yay. You did really <laughs> well. I have friends for a long time who can't pronounce my name, which is why I go with Dr. Kate, but you did, did a great job. I think I'll stick with Dr. Kate from now on, because I really had to think about it to get it Sure. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Kate, let me just tell uh, the listeners a bit about you. Uh, she is a doctor of naturopathic medicine and author of the book Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox: How a Little-Known Vitamin Could Save Your Life. She's a graduate and former faculty member of the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, and. Dr. Kate is an expert in the field of natural medicine and speaks across the country on many topics, but today we have her here talking about vitamin K2 and the information that I am learning from her book, which is mind-blowing. So definitely pick up her book, Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox. So um, Dr. Kate is coming to us from uh, Ontario, and she's a Canadian expert. So we um, will just dive right in. And let me just say recently, uh, I'll bring us back to that news report that was on ABC here. And they told us that um, women who took calcium supplements had a 13 to 22 percent greater risk of having a heart attack than women who did not. So it's getting kind of frightening, and should we be afraid of calcium? (laughs) Why don't you start there? Well, it's a good question to ask because there have been several studies coming
0: out now that have said the same thing, uh, you know, 13 to 20, and, and some studies saying more. And regardless of how you criticize the studies, and, and you know, they could all perhaps have been improved their methodology, the fact is there is something going on with calcium. And what's going on is that a portion of the calcium that is not being taken into bones, of course, we're, we're taking these supplements to improve our bone health, And a portion of the calcium that doesn't find its way into bones is instead finding its way into our arteries and lining our arteries, creating calcification of the arteries or hardening of the arteries. And this is what leads to heart attacks and strokes. So this is uh, really important, both for people who are taking calcium, because the studies show that this is what increases the risk, but we have to keep in mind that whether or not you're taking calcium, heart disease, so heart attack and stroke, is the number one killer of both men and women, and that's whether or not you have calcium supplements. So in other words, calcium can get into the wrong places in all of us. And uh, so then the the question becomes, well, should we abandon calcium supplements? And the fact is if we only just look at calcium, this uh, topic will remain confusing. Uh, You know, should we take it or not? Should we have it in our diet or not? And what we need to look at is, how the body can safely use calcium, so how we can guide it into the bones where we want the calcium to be, and how we can keep it out of or even remove calcium from areas where we don't want it
1: to be, that's the key, so it's not um calcium isn't necessarily the problem; it's in the wrong places and so that's what your book addresses how we can guide it into the bones and teeth where we want it so um what is that what you mean when you're with the title of your book the calcium paradox then that's exactly right so we have this this paradoxical situation
0: with calcium where we absolutely do need it for good health and more importantly, it can be lacking in the body. We know osteoporosis rates are at an all-time high, and that can be very serious to your health. Um, hip fractures can be fatal or lead to you know, a serious degeneration of your health over time. So there's a lack of calcium in one part of the body. And conversely or paradoxically, it can build up in other areas of the body, um, leading to uh, dangerous or you know, fatal heart attacks. So... And that's really the the, the the paradox of calcium. So we want to look about uh, putting calcium back
1: into its place. Okay, so um, vitamin K2 is what we want to focus on, and uh, you know most people haven't heard of K2. We've heard of vitamin K. We might have this vague familiarity that it's um, has something to do with blood clotting, and if you're taking Certain medications, maybe you've been told you can't eat any leafy greens because it'll wreck your blood clotting medication. So,
0: right.
1: what does what vitamin K2 do in the body?
0: Vitamin K2 is very different from vitamin K1. And you're right, most people have sort of a vague awareness of vitamin K, and that really refers to vitamin K1, and that's the blood clotting vitamin. Vitamin K2 has a completely different role in the body. It doesn't participate in blood clotting. Instead, it activates certain proteins that shuttle calcium around the body. So specifically, vitamin K2 will cause calcium to be directed into your bones and your teeth in the areas you want it to be, and more importantly... It will not only prevent calcium from being deposited in in soft tissues like arteries, but it has been even shown to reverse existing arterial calcium deposits. And that is remarkable because we've never seen this before uh, or didn't understand that this was possible. And uh, it ultimately means reversing heart disease and reversing uh, calcification in not just arteries, where it can lead to heart attack and stroke, but many different places in the body where calcium can build up that we don't want it to be. So this is a really important nutrient. Um, just because we haven't heard of it before now doesn't mean it's some you know, minor fly-by-the-way vitamin. It is, in fact, just as important as vitamin D, about which we've heard so much. And really, these two work together to make sure our bones
1: are strong and our arteries are clear. So what is the role of vitamin D? When you say they work together, can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Well, we all uh, have heard lots of good news about
0: vitamin D. It has so many different health benefits. Most people who are taking calcium supplements are also taking a vitamin D supplement to to boost their bones, and it's shown that vitamin D and calcium do boost bone density for sure, but studies have shown that D with K2 boosts bone density much more than either nutrient alone. Uh, There's lots of roles of vitamin D in the body, but very, very simply, vitamin D increases the production of our bodies, uh, the proteins that then vitamin K2 will come in and activate to get calcium to move around. So taking vitamin D on its own or with calcium certainly is good for your health, but you're not getting the maximum benefits out of vitamin D unless you're taking it with K2. Some of the benefits of vitamin D are are dependent on K2, not all of them, but certainly when it comes to bone health and heart health, those are the big ones where they really uh, team up to make sure your, your bones are strong and your arteries
1: are clear. Okay, so... Now people are like writing a note to themselves, get your K2 supplement. So hang on there. We have a lot of information about food (laughs) and how that's going to um, help you with your K2 also. But before we go down there, I'm going to drill into this slightly deeper. You said um, vitamin D increases the production of proteins That K2 activates to get calcium to move around. So, let's name them for the um, you know the people who are nerdy like me who want to know which proteins. What are you talking about? So, sure, what what are you talking about? Yeah, this is technical, but it's a good thing to understand because then it it helps you um, keep
0: in mind exactly what vitamin K2 is doing for you when you take it. So there's three main vitamin K2-dependent proteins, and when you take vitamin D, these are increased in your body. Of course, they don't do anything until the K2 comes in and activates them, which is why you need both of the vitamins. But the first one is called osteocalcin, and this is a protein that will take calcium from your diet and uh, guide into your bones and your teeth. So osteocalcin, once it's activated by vitamin K2, will increase your bone density and help strengthen your teeth and protect them from cavities. So that's the first protein. The second one is called MGP or Matrix Gla Protein. That's a technical word, but M- MGP, and that vitamin K2 dependent protein will find calcium in soft tissues like your arteries, for example, and remove calcium from those areas. So that takes calcium from places where it's not supposed to be. The third protein uh, is called Gas6. G A S And that is a protein that regulates cell growth. So that makes vitamin K2 very important for cancer protection and and fighting cancer in a number of ways. So those are the three main actions of vitamin K2. Putting calcium into your bones and teeth, taking it out of soft tissues, and controlling cell growth for cancer protection.
1: So we're starting to get a picture that (laughs) when we're told to take calcium, this is you know, a drop in the bucket of what needs to happen because K2 is the star. It needs vitamin D. And this is the magic where, you know, we're putting calcium into bones and teeth and protecting our teeth from cavities. And also, you know, you talked about the MGP, um, which is activated. And it's it's important for um, this problem of, you know, heart... Um, Heart disease where people are having calcium laying down in soft tissues like arteries and veins, so it's sweeping it out of there, and then the third one i didn't even, i wasn't even aware of this one um for cancer protection so k two is um the new star and we need to you know give it its due respect here so um I'm really glad that your book is um you know highlighting this so is this book just for people who um have you know, osteoporosis, or people who are taking calcium supplements. Well, those would certainly be the the prime
0: people who absolutely need to understand the information about vitamin K2 in the book. So, anybody who is concerned about their bone health, or is taking a calcium supplement, or calcium uh, and vitamin D, or just vitamin D, any of those nutrients. Anybody who's concerned about heart health as well. A lot of people out there are concerned about their heart health, they may or may not understand the risk, or more um, commonly have been told that they should be taking cholesterol-lowering medications and don't feel comfortable with that. So there's a lot of important information in in the book about that. But as well, for anybody who is interested in health and nutrition, people who are trying to conceive or who have a young family, because there's lots of important information about pregnancy and children's health, it really spans
1: uh, health concerns throughout life. Okay, great. So that would be a book that we could all benefit from. So um, I want to spend some time now about um, how do we get K2 in our diet because, you know, I'm the real food revivalist. We want to first get it from our diets, and then uh, you can address supplements as well because maybe we do need to add it that way. So go ahead, talk about the foods. The food
0: is a pretty interesting story, and this is where... Um, you know, we learned that vitamin K2 actually used to be abundant in our diets and that protected us once upon a time from osteoporosis and heart disease. Those diseases didn't used to be nearly as common as they are today. And that is because I guess the, the two main ways, Well, we'll talk about one uh, main source of vitamin K2 in the diet is grass-fed foods. So basically, when animals are out on the pasture, um, cows, chickens, pigs, whatever, when they have grass and green uh, vegetables in their diet, they can convert the nutrients in those green vegetables to vitamin K2. And so then we get a lot of vitamin K2 in things like egg yolks and butter, because this is a fat-soluble vitamin. And so grass-fed animal foods are a very important source of this nutrient. So that would be the, the number one source. Now, that as you know, becomes challenging because the supply of those foods has a hard time uh, matching the demand. We've gotten away from grass feeding to more uh, grain feeding to to increase production, but that really has cost us the vitamin K2 content in our foods, but that's still the, the one people should look at if they can source those foods. And then the second main source of vitamin K2, which may be easier for a lot of people to find on a daily basis, are certain types of fermented foods. So some bacteria, they, uh, will, when, when they do their fermentation process, for example, in some kinds of cheese, will make vitamin K2. So uh, gouda, uh, for example, is a type of cheese that's very high in vitamin K2. Brie cheese is another one that's very high. And so these are excellent sources of vitamin K2 that people can find quite easily, and it doesn't matter whether the cheese was made with grass-fed milk because it's the bacteria that makes the vitamin K2.
1: Hmm. Now, I'm going to read a little passage from your book. Um, you had a chart, vitamin K2 content of selected foods. The number one food is natto, uh, followed by Goose Liver Pate, which I think you're afraid of scaring my listeners because you didn't mention number one and number two. <laughs> you're right. I, so, you're right. So I will scare them by reading what you your first impression of Natto in the book um, that, you know, let's see. Natto, a Japanese breakfast treat that smells like old gym socks and is held together by globs of stringy mucus. <laughs> and contains enough K2 per serving to prevent hip fracture and heart disease. So, like, sign us up right now. That sounds like something I want to have for (laughs) breakfast. I've never eaten it, but I bet you probably eat it all the time since you know it's the best source of K2.
0: Uh, Well, I have to admit I don't eat it all the time. I don't eat it nearly as much as I should. Fortunately, you don't have to eat it every day. Studies have shown that even people who eat it once a week or every couple weeks or, you know, just occasionally have higher K2 levels and better heart health and bone health and people who don't eat it at all. But despite my diligent efforts, I'm still trying to like it. Now, I've had a lot of people email me uh, very helpfully with lots of interesting recipes because there's lots of people out there who are determined to learn to like natto. And I even got an email yesterday from somebody who tried it and liked it, which is the first time I've had an email that said that. But it's this fermented... Um, Japanese soybean food, and it is eaten as a breakfast food in some areas of Japan. And studies have shown that in those areas, and the people who eat it in those areas, have much better uh, bone health and heart health, and and higher K2 levels. It really makes a big the K2 in this food really makes a big difference to your health. It's just
1: an acquired taste, shall we say? hmm and for the listeners who know that in general soy foods aren't recommended by the real food revivalists because of many things besides uh them being genetically modified and you know, high in phytoestrogens and difficult to digest. When we're talking about natto, it's a fermented um product and it is completely different than the other soy foods that are generally available. So, I don't know um natto is by itself it's not the other fermented soybean foods like tempeh and What's the other one? Miso. miso yes, unfortunately not. And, and I agree. I'm not a
0: promoter of soy or a consumer of soy, but fermented soy is different. That's more of a traditional food, and it can provide excellent uh, health benefits in quite small servings as well. But yes, yeah, sadly, miso and tempeh don't contain vitamin K2. It's just a factor of the, the, uh, the bacteria that make those foods don't happen to produce vitamin K2 the way they do in natto
1: okay well tell me because I have to go do this now I have to go find some where do I Buy it, and what do I do with it when I get it? <laughs> that can
0: be very, well, the finding it can be very tricky. Uh, you can check an Asian grocery store, specifically Korean or Japanese grocery stores may carry this. It won't be. It won't say natto on the label because it will all be in uh, Japanese or Korean writing, mm-hmm. but it comes in little styrofoam packs that are f- in the freezer section full of frozen beans, small servings, about an ounce for a serving, it's not very much. And uh, if you can't find it there, you can check maybe Japanese restaurants that might have it on the menu. They could order it in for you. And preparing it is very easy. You just take out a package and thaw it when you're ready to eat it and then put it on rice. Now, usually the the natto comes with uh, sauces like a soy sauce and a mustard sauce, and from you know, most people I've heard from, you really need to uh, enhance, or you can't disguise the flavor, but but put strong flavored things like um, wasabi or hot mustard or strong pungent spicy things helps to um, sort of temper the, the the natural flavor and texture of the natto.
1: Okay, so yeah, I like the uh, Sanjay brand of tamari sauce, so I might do that, and I like wasabi mm-hmm. and hot mustard, and maybe I can cover up the smelly gym socks or whatever you refer to them as, <laughs> because it's, um, on the charts, it's phenomenally more K2 than any other food. You say um, 1,100 micrograms in a portion, and the next uh, runner-up is Goose liver pate at three hundred sixty nine and then the cheese as the gouda drops way down to seventy six so it is a superfood is that because nobody would eat that much at one serving that it's a thousand that a thousand uh,
0: the, the serving there i believe would be that would be like two or three servings of natto. so really only one serving would give you you know even one serving a week would give you a fair amount of of okay. vitamin k two. And uh, yeah, it doesn't
1: take much of the natto. Okay. So egg yolk, pastured eggs. This is why we want to find our farmer, go to the farmers market, and get eggs um, from chickens that are running around, pecking in the ground for you know bugs and things that they can get naturally. And we don't want our chickens being fed grains. Um, Goose leg, (laughs) specifically, has (laughs) thirty one. Micrograms, um, and the butter we want it from grass-fed cows. So Kerrygold is what we can get in the stores here. Um, that's you know Irish grass-fed butter. Do you eat much liver yourself? I do try to get in serving of liver,
0: uh, chicken liver or goose livers, if I can get them, and I am a big fan of pâté. You know, the reason why I don't mention goose liver pâté right off the bat is people find it quite incredible that I'm recommending this as a superfood and one of the best sources of vitamin K2. But really, you know, goose liver pâté, brie cheese, butter, egg yolks, all of these rich foods that for so long were said to be very heart unhealthy, in fact, are mainstays of the French diet. And we know that the French have mm-hmm. remarkably low rates of heart disease. And it, you know, there was no paradox. We call that the French paradox. Mm-hmm. and In fact, there was no paradox at all. They were just stuffing themselves full of pâté de foie gras and, and brie cheese that was uh, simply clearing out their arteries because of the
1: vitamin K2. Right, and I'm, you know, frustrated like what you said in the beginning that these are foods, these are traditional foods that we enjoyed for a long, long time. And heart disease, um, osteoporosis, these weren't even on the radar screen until we uh, started believing the notion that we needed to eat low fat and that eggs were going to hurt us and butter was bad for us. So we're getting back to the way we used to eat and um, ditching the factory foods, ditching the bad oils that are, you know, lining your supermarket shelves, and and enjoying things like butter and coconut oil, olive oil, uh, macadamia nut oil, and these fats and cheeses. And this is how we're reversing heart disease and osteoporosis. So, who um, might want to take a supplemental vitamin K2? well certainly anybody who has a hard time either
0: either finding or eating natto if they have a really you know they can't manage the uh, the taste or the texture of it and uh, that being one of the best sources if they can't manage that or they don't feel like they have a good supply year-round of grass-fed foods, especially you know, in the, in the northern parts of North America, there are seasonal variations, of course, in the availability of grass-fed foods. And so really, because vitamin K2 has absolutely no toxicity, And uh, studies have shown that most people are, in fact, deficient. If you uh, have a good diet, but you want to make sure you're getting the K2 every day that you need, in a similar way that we might with vitamin D, because it's hard to get that kind of sun exposure that we would need every day, then uh, most people would benefit from a K2 supplement. And that starts right from infancy or even, you know, for women while they're pregnant, a lot of very important health benefits during pregnancy, all the way through childhood, adolescence, again it becomes very important, and then again at, at menopause or in, in the older years for both men and women.
1: Hmm. Can you um, talk about MK four and MK seven? Because I'm hearing more people talking about that, and it's a little bit confusing. Or right, yeah, this go is ahead very important. Yes,
0: this is for people who are shopping for supplements you will find two different types of vitamin K2 supplements on the shelf. And and the best analogy I can give to this for, for people who are aware of vitamin D... There used to be, I guess there still is, two types of vitamin D available. Vitamin D2, which is a synthetic form, and vitamin D3, which is a natural form. And it's a similar deal with with vitamin K2. We have something called MK4, that stands for menaquinone 4, and menaquinone is the technical term for vitamin K2. And that's a synthetic form of vitamin K2 that is made in the laboratory. And then we have MK7. Um, or I, I tell people to remember lucky number seven and look for that on the label. Now, there are, uh, MK4 has been around on the market for longer, and certainly if it is given in high enough doses, it definitely has a health benefits, and studies have shown, have used this for cancer and, and, and bone health research, no doubt about that. However, you do need to take it in a 45 milligram dose, and that typically should be divided 15 milligrams three times a day. And that becomes a little bit inconvenient uh, because it it leaves the body much quicker. The MK7, now this is the natural bacterial derived, actually comes from natto. This form uh, provides bone health benefits in much smaller doses. You're looking at 120 to 200 micrograms, and you can take this once a day. So that makes it much more convenient and much more predictable. So... Right now, we still have these two different forms of vitamin K2 on the market, but I think over time, as we've seen with the vitamin D3, now we almost only see vitamin D3. We rarely see the D2 form. Um, Eventually, we'll only see MK7 uh, form on the market for the vitamin K2. So I do
1: recommend that's what people look for in their supplements. Okay, so we're looking for MK7. Will it say that on the ingredients? It should somewhere It's somewhere on the label, maybe in the small print, either say MK7 or menaquinone
0: 7, or it may just say something like derived from natto bean, and that would be
1: the MK7 form. Okay. And then tell me the dose again, 120 to what? Uh, 200 micrograms a day
0: and that's micrograms, MCG, Uh, that would be a sufficient dose for maintaining um, sort of optimal balance or or regulation of your calcium in the body. You you certainly could take more of that, and I think studies are going to be ongoing to look at the benefits of higher doses, but um, most of the studies have looked at between 120 and and 200 micrograms of the MK7 form
1: of vitamin K2. Okay, Uh, and it needs to be delivered in um an oil-based gel cap. Yeah, it's a fat-soluble vitamin, so it is best if you can get it in either a liquid,
0: uh, you know, an oil-based dropper or a soft gel uh delivery instead of a powder. But if you do find it in capsules, just take it with your food and the oil and fat in your food will help you absorb the vitamin. Okay.
1: Yeah, cuz vitamin K is fat soluble. So if I want to do everything I can do to build my bones, because I've been diagnosed with osteopenia, I'm going to take vitamin D3. um, And how much do you recommend in that situation? For vitamin D3,
0: we haven't found, uh, you know, when you start talking about the doses of the different vitamins, that m- one of the logical questions that comes up is, well, what's the perfect ratio? How much should we be taking of each? And we can't say that there has been an optimal ratio that's been established, but, you know, as, as a rule of thumb, uh, I try to recommend for every 1,000 international units of vitamin D3, you're taking about 100 to 120 of K2. And so, most people, let's say, if on a daily basis, you're taking 2,000 IUs of, of D and 200 approximately uh, micrograms of vitamin K2. Um, and, and those will help balance one another and deliver the, the benefits that you're looking for both of those nutrients.
1: Now, there's a role, I remember from your book, oh, that vitamin A is playing as well. Can you talk about yes. that?
0: Yes, I do have a whole chapter in the book devoted to the relationship between A, D, and K2 because they absolutely do all work together, all of the, the fat-soluble vitamins. And vitamin, you know, as, as much good press as we've heard about vitamin D, vitamin A, we seem to hear nothing but bad news about it, and that is really um, an inaccurate notion that we have about vitamin A. So all these nutrients do work together. And typically, well, when it comes to bone health, for example, vitamin A and D will help increase the production of K2 proteins. So A, D, and K2 work together. Uh, When it comes to uh, heart health, vitamin A has been shown to help remove the calcium. Once K2 takes it out of the arteries, uh, vitamin A has been shown to help remove it from the body. And so all of these three nutrients do work together uh, in all of the health benefits that we want from the body. So getting vitamin A is is, is easier in your diet. You know, a serving of liver a week will do that. That used to be a common practice. Everybody would make their kids eat a serving of liver a week. Now we've, we've stopped doing that. But uh, that goose liver pate we mentioned before it would be an excellent source of vitamin A and K2. So looking for foods that are high in vitamin A to complement the, the K2 and D in your diet will really provide a, a complete protection when it comes to heart health and bone health.
1: What do you think about uh, cod liver oil as a source of A and a little bit of D? Yes, that's a great source of A. It's, it's a
0: traditional uh, source of vitamin A in the diet, and that's certainly one that I recommend and, and take myself. Okay. Okay and what is your
1: thought on overdosing ourselves with a if it's in our multiple and in our cod liver oil is there you know a number we should watch that we're not going over no it really is very difficult if you, if you look at the literature and I do discuss that in the book
0: uh extremely difficult to overdose on vitamin a it it's actually never been seen at intentional doses in other words if you are taking cod liver oil and a vitamin uh to overdose on that and you can take it in very high amounts, and, and it's still safe. So you don't have to worry about it, it overdosing unintentionally in uh, supplements.
1: Okay, good. Well, we've covered so much ground already this morning. I know some people will need to rewind this podcast to pick up all the, the nuances, but um, this is great information. So what um you know if we had another five minutes, is there another topic that you would want to share from the book or um you know about this vitamin k two I guess that if people get one thing from the book uh,
0: that really hasn't it's it's not always a focus is the importance of this for uh during pregnancy and and in childhood, so vitamin k two during pregnancy helps with uh promoting proper facial development of the developing fetus, as well as proper tooth structure. So the teeth, the primary and adult teeth, are developed in the first and second trimesters of pregnancy. And a lot of uh, the, the health of your teeth later in life is actually determined at that time. And so if one thing comes out of this book, it's that Women who are expecting or planning a family understand the importance of vitamin K2 and, and vitamin K2-rich foods uh, during pregnancy for, for healthy children. And then, then that extends uh, during early infancy and childhood to protect the teeth and promote healthy growing bones. And that really is,
1: is a passion of mine, that particular topic. So if if we're pregnant, do we supplement in the same way that you described before?
0: Yeah, I recommend the, the same amounts uh, uh, for supplementation during pregnancy. Now, new studies have shown that actually in the third trimester of pregnancy, women's vitamin K2 levels tend to drop. So, there certainly is a, an argument to be made for increasing even more your vitamin K2 intake in the third trimester of pregnancy. In the first trimester, it's being used for. Um, primary tooth development. In the second trimester, uh, a more adult tooth and, and facial development. And then in the third trimester, for some reason, K2 levels drop in women. So that is a time that you want to make sure you're maintaining
1: your K2 levels. Okay. So are you saying that we should supplement our infants and children and young adults Definitely. and everybody?
0: Absolutely. I've been giving vitamin K2
1: to my son ever since I could get
0: him to to chew the little soft gel capsule. He was about uh, two or two and a half. And uh, for women who are breastfeeding, they will pass vitamin K2 on through the breast milk. If not, you can give it in little supplement drops like you do vitamin D. Uh, throughout childhood, it is one, you know, vitamin D is important for kids and, and K2 will also help their teeth and bones. And then in adolescence, it actually becomes even more important because when the hormones kick in around puberty, that's when the skeleton starts to grow and the, the body needs K2 more than ever at that time because we develop most of our lifetime maximum bones bone density during the adolescent years or or by age 20. So that's really the time to build strong bones to prevent osteoporosis later in life. Hmm.
1: Okay. So somebody, maybe they have, has anybody put vitamin D and K2 in one drop for babies or one supplement for adults? (laughs) Certainly, K2 and D is available together in
0: one supplement. So for people who aren't already taking vitamin D, uh, they can take K2 and D together in a soft gel. That's easily available. Lots of people who would be listening to your show are probably already taking vitamin D, and they can get K2 on its own. But typically, you can get both of those together in either soft gels or liquid drops.
1: Okay. Do you have any brands that you typically... Have your patients take? Yeah, I know a Natural Factors is one that is quite
0: readily available both in Canada and the U.S. that provides uh, a K2 and D soft gel that is um, small and easy to swallow for children and adults.
1: Okay, Great. Well, Dr. Kate, you're a wealth of information and in a walking K2 encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for your interest in, in the book because it's such an important topic that really
0: provides the missing piece to the puzzle of of so many health concerns.
1: It it really does. There's so much information um to combat all the misinformation that we're They're trying to pound into our heads. So (laughs) we need to educate ourselves because um, we're not getting this typically um, from, you know, our usual sources of information about health. So Dr. Kate Rayon-Blue, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you, Erin. Okay. you Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye. Well, that was Dr. Kate, and the book is Vitamin K2 and the Calcium Paradox. I highly recommend it. And if you need uh, some additional information about supplementation and where to get grass-fed foods, um, you know, drop me a line at Erin at GetBetterWellness.com. And getting grass-fed meat should be high on our priority, as well as grass-fed dairy, uh, raw milk, raw cheese, kefir, yogurt. Those are the traditional foods that are pretty uh, difficult to find. But for grass-fed foods, visit the website eatwild.com, and you'll be able to find farmers in your area. And also visit WestonAPrice.org and look for information for the local chapter in your area. And contact the chapter leaders, and you'll be able to get in contact with farmers and uh, suppliers that can put you in touch with some of this good grass-fed food that is going to build our K-2 levels and help us with our bone density issues and heart issues. And also, it will improve many other areas of our lives, as well as even impacting Uh, cell growth and cancer. So thank you for joining us today. I will be back next week with another interview with Katina Macris, who has um, formerly dealt with Lyme disease and will be sharing her story. Thank you. This is Erin Chamberlick. Getbetterwellness.com. Have a great day.